Lord God, we call upon your name this morning. We're so grateful that we are yours and that you are ours, God, that there's this relationship that that doesn't just help us survive with our mouths above the water of the storm, Lord, but that we are um, able to thrive with you, Father. Thank you so much for that, Lord, that you love us, that you call us, that you care about us in every little detail. Lord, we gratefully receive that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes. Well, we are beginning a new series today, as Pastor Ron has said, and we're excited to begin this new series on prayer. Um, We've been talking about it for a while, and so there's kind of some enthusiasm. I feel real honored to begin to, you know, get a chance to kick off the series, but I have to say this, along with some of the excitement that comes with the new series and specifically about prayer, there's maybe some other emotions mixed in. Okay, so here's a chance to kind of express some of that. Here's a chance to be interactive. Raise your hand unless you're this, you know, raging introvert that you just can't bear it. But I'm going to say some things about prayer. And if you agree with that, you can lift your hand up and say, yeah, I agree with that. And it's not a right and wrong thing. It's not a test you'll be graded on, okay? So just so we're clear on that, this is just kind of where you're at, okay? First of all, how about I say this? Prayer is effective. It works. And I even get some yeahs. You can be verbal if you'd like to do that. How about prayer can sometimes be a little intimidating? Okay. Prayer is boring sometimes. Thank you. Thank you. First service, I had the same thing. Little sidebar. Don't put this on the the radio. Liars! (laughs) Otherwise, I am the only one. First service is kind of like, oh, this is good. Oh, wait. Can I raise my hand? Isn't that saying I'm like a pagan or something? Anyway, I just said sometimes it can, all right, so true confessions, you can rate, remember it's not a graded thing, and God's not discovering anything about you right now, okay? Really? It's boring? Anyway, sorry. Just it's, where were we? (laughs) Prayer is a big part of my life. All right. I feel like I pray too much. Anybody? Because I didn't want to shout liar again. No, no, I'm sorry. I feel like I prayed just the right amount. Hmm, interesting. I need to learn more about prayer. How about, I sometimes feel a little guilty that I don't pray more. Okay, go look around real quick. And we're going to stop right there. Uh, today, because, oh, we're excited about prayer, and some of you are going, I'm a little guilty about prayer. I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm excited, but I'm kind of... You know, I want you to relax, even if you have some of these mixed emotions and thoughts, because this prayer series is not meant to heap guilt on you. You're not doing it right. You're not doing it well enough or often enough, you know. Like, I'll skip the next few weeks if that's the case, you know. I don't need that at church. This is really meant to encourage and build your faith. And, and, and we really hope that God inspires you to pursue, listen, not pursue prayer. Pursue a deeper relationship with God um, as we look at each, uh, as we look each week, each week out of different character from the Old Testament. This is about faith. It's about relationship that will lead to prayer. You see, prayer is really about faith. You see, if, if we really believe that God exists and that he cares about us and our difficulties and everything in our lives, and it's only natural to pray, right? 
And uh, if we don't pray very much, it might just be that we don't yet have the faith to really believe in this personal God, that he exists, or really that he has our best interests in mind. You know, if I really have that faith, I'm not sure. See, I believe that prayer is a natural expression of a believing heart. And and, and it flows out of an intimate relationship and complete trust in God. Prayer is not the object. That's not what we're shooting for. God is the object. Relationship with God, intimacy with God, a faith and trust in God. And as we gain those things, prayer is going to be a natural outflowing. So that's kind of where we're headed in this series. I wanted to set that up. Now, speaking of faith, we talked about that. We're kicking off the series today looking at Abraham, a a man that the Bible calls a great man of faith. So what a great place to start. In fact, Pastor Ron read it earlier, but there's that verse there in James 2 that says, And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. And then I love this line. He was even called the friend of God. Like, oh, that's awesome. Wouldn't it be cool to be called the friend of God, you know, in your workplace on campus? I mean, it might be a little bit weird, but if they really thought, wow, this guy's, this girl, this gal, you know, he, she's not, maybe not even a friend, the friend of God. It's that intimate right there. It's kind of, that might be kind of scary. It might be kind of cool. And that was Abraham because of his faith. Now, Abraham's faith led him to have this amazing prayer life. His relationship led to this prayer life that was, that was awesome. And uh, really, it was, it was simply talking to a personal God and a result of his experience of walking with God. Okay, So today, we're going to be looking at a prayer that Abraham prays for others. Specifically, as we're talking prayer today, it's going to kind of focus on praying for other people. And we want to learn maybe how we can effectively pray for others in a way that really makes a difference. Right? I'm going to actually do it and, and have it be worth something. So we're going to be looking at Genesis. 18. If you have your Bible, you can open there. We're going to look, ready, at the entire chapter. It's a story. I'm going to read through it. I've only printed the second half of the chapter on your outlines. It's a little different. All the verses are in one shot there because it's a story, and then we'll kind of tear it apart and and break it up a little later. But I want to read you, so we have context, I want to read you from verse 1 so we can kind of see what flows because it really helps set up what takes place in the whole thing here. So um, here we go. If you want to just listen, it's great. I'll kind of read it, tell it. It'll appear once we're half Halfway through, it'll appear on the screens, on your outlines. And of course, if you have your Bible, awesome. The nice thing about Genesis, first book of the Bible, Genesis, just find number 18, you're good to go. All right, here we go. Genesis 18, verse 1. It says this, it says, The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. Now, one day Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. Got the picture? Hot desert region, hoping to catch a breeze there, probably the shade of his tent, just see sitting here in his tent. And uh, he looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, gives you a little tip on identity here. If it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham ran. Remember, he ran there and now he's Running back, Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, hurry, get three large measures of your best flour. (laughs) Don't skimp on it here. This is three measures of your best flour and and, uh, knead it into dough and bake some bread. (laughs) She's like, 
I got a bread maker going on I can plug in here. Are you kidding me? Middle of a hot day, I'm going to start working on bread from scratch. No, we got to do it. We got to make it happen now. And then Abraham ran himself. He says, don't worry, Sarah, I'm not going to kick back. I got other things to do. It says he ran out to the herd, which wasn't right there. So he's now running. Bread's being, bread's being prepared. Runs out to the herd. He chooses a tender calf, and he gives it to his servant who quickly prepared it. Now, quickly is a relative term, isn't it? Because I'm not sure how long it took for that bread to be ready but finally it was and the calf all prepared and it says finally um, uh, when the food was ready Abraham took some yogurt and milk and the roasted meat and he served it to the men and as they ate Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees he's there as their servant and then where is Sarah your wife the visitors asked well she's inside the tent Abraham replied and then one of them said I will return to you about this time next year and your wife Sarah will have a son Sarah was listening, it says, to this conversation from inside the tent. Big ears, you know. I think tent walls aren't very thick, (laughs) right? She's listening from inside the tent, and um, Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and, uh, and it says Sarah was long past the age of having children. She had not had any children to date at this point, and she's very old. She hears this, and, and it records a response. So she thinks about this. She hears him, and it says, so she laughed silently to herself and said, Here's her quote. How could a worn-out woman like me (laughs) enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Wives, how not to talk to your about your husbands or something, right? And then the Lord said to Abraham, This is back outside now. She's this is inside the tent. Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, Can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return, listen again, I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Well, Sarah hears this also. It says, Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. You did. This was the second time, by the way, that that son had been promised to them here that the scripture records. Now, this is where it'll pick up in your outlines and the verses on the screen. So I wanted to set this up as, so we can see contextually what's happening. Now, and beginning at verse 16, then after this situation, they've eaten and stuff. Then the men got up from their meal and looked out towards Sodom. And as they left, Abraham went with them uh, to send them on their way. Should I hide my plan from Abraham, the Lord asked. For for Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. That's God's plan for him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. So the Lord turns to Abraham, tells him, he says, I have a great, I have heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah. Here to those cities. <laughs> because their sin is so great. It's so flagrant. I'm going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I've heard. If not, I want to know. So the other men turned and headed towards Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham. And Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? Suppose you find 50 righteous people living there in the city. Will you still sweep it away and not spare it for their sakes? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why? You would be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same. Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord replied, If I find 50 righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the entire city for their sake. And then Abraham spoke again. 
since I've begun, let me speak further to my Lord, even though I am but dust and ashes. Suppose there are only 45 righteous people rather than 50. Will you destroy the whole city uh, for, for lack of five? And the Lord said, I'll not destroy it if I find 45 righteous people there. Then Abraham pressed his request further. <laughs> Suppose there are only 40. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it for the sake of 40. Well, please don't be angry, my Lord, Abraham pleaded. Let me speak. Suppose only 30 righteous people are found. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it if I find 30. Then Abraham said, <laughs> a little ping pong game, huh? Since I have dared to speak to the Lord, let me continue. Suppose, suppose there are only 20. And the Lord said, then I will not destroy it for the sake of the 20. Finally, ooh, there's a good word, right? Last one. Finally, Abraham said, Lord, please don't be angry with me. If I speak one more time, suppose only 10 are found there. And the Lord replied, then I will not destroy it, that city, for the sake of the 10. When the Lord had finished his conversation with Abraham, he went on his way, and Abraham returned to his tent. End of the chapter. So, uh, the passage. So here we see Abraham having this long conversation with God. This, this prayer, if we realize that, that prayer is talking with God. And we see that Abraham's prayer is for the people of Sodom. And God actually listens to Abraham's requests. Would you like to know that God listens to your requests for others? It'd be kind of a nice thing. I want to tear this passage apart a bit to see what Abraham does so maybe we can, hopefully we can apply these things to our own lives, our own personal lives and our own prayer lives. So if you want to follow along your outline and fill in a few of the blanks, they're just little one-word fill-ins and stuff, but some things I think that we can see here as we want to learn to pray for others like Abraham, all right? So first thing we're going to look at is we need to value others deeply, if we want to pray for others, have effective prayer for others like Abraham, we need to value others deeply. Now, here's where things start when we think about praying for others, and it might sound kind of obvious here, but we need to value others enough to enter into the process of praying for them. Is that kind of, duh? well, if I didn't care, I wouldn't pray. I don't think I pray enough for other people. Am I just too busy, or maybe I just don't care? Well, remember what we just read. Let's look at Abraham. He's just been told that his wife is going to have a miracle baby because believe it or not, Sarah is 90 years old and Abraham is a good round 100. He's an old dude. They haven't had kids. And for the second time, we know from scripture, it's at least the second time they've, God has appeared to him and said, she's going to have a baby. She may be laughing. She's still going to have a baby. She's 90. You're a Hunsky kid. It's going to happen. And, and I don't know if you're anything like me, but I sit here and think in that situation, I'm like, what? That's crazy news, you know? And, and I'm thinking, if I've heard about that, I'm like, I, my mind is reeling. It's taking up 100% of my brain's attention, 110 if I had that much attention there, right? Just, it's like I'm wrapped in this whole, whoa, that's, that's amazing, you know? And, and as the Lord turns to leave and starts telling me, oh, by the way, you know, I, I'm going to observe and potentially judge Sodom and Gomorrah, I probably would like... Sodom and Gehua? You know, what? Yeah, whatever, I don't care. I'm going to have a baby. Tell me more how that's going to happen because, oh my goodness, it just doesn't work this way, right? Because, man, this is like huge news. I mean, that's not what happens. That's not what happens. You see, it's so easy to get caught up in our own lives, you know, whether it's our victories and celebrations, those can be distracting things are so good, or sometimes it's just our problems and our troubles and our concerns and our pain. 
but, in, but in order to effectively pray for others, we need to develop a heart that values others deeply. And you know what? We need God's help to be able to see past our own issues to care for others the way that God does. Because God cares for them even more than you do. Abraham values others deeply enough that he's able to take his eyes off himself and this news that has just come out and that's just, you know, blowing their, blowing their minds and instead consider the need of others right then and there. And I printed, uh, wrote out Philippians 2, the second half of verse 3 and 4 here because it's a New Testament verse that I think just speaks so well to it. It says, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Hey, by the way, they aren't more significant than you. This is not a put-down verse that says you're nothing. Just saying, consider others more significant. Because it goes on to say, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And that's a call that we see happen here thousands of years earlier than this in, in Abraham. So I want to just pause for a second and ask you, do you value others deeply enough to enter into serious prayer for them? Maybe this morning that's the place you need to start as you seek to grow in your prayer life. You know, it's like, boy, right, right then and there, I just don't pray that much for others. Maybe... Maybe I don't care for him that much. In which case, how do I produce it? By trying harder? Nope. I'm like, my prayer life starts with, Lord, give me a heart like you have for other people. Give me a compassion and a care for people so that I will value them enough that will lead me to prayer. Um, that, that, prob- that perhaps is your first prayer and where you need to start. All right, so we can pray to deeply value others. Secondly, we want to learn to pray personally to pray personally, and we totally see this with Abraham. And I love this point because it highlights such a cool part of this story. This conversation Abraham has with God is undeniably personal. It's a talk between the friend of God and God, you know? That's what's going on here. Now, you may say, now wait, Pastor John, this isn't really a prayer here in this passage you just read. It's kind of more of this personal conversation between Abraham and these angels and and God who have appeared before him. Exactly! That's prayer, having a personal conversation with a God who's always with you. I, when Pastor Ron, when we were first talking, he gave me this passage, here's how we're going to kick off the series and stuff, and I read through this, and I'm expecting, you know, it's going to tell a story, and then there's going to be this time when it says, and Abraham got on his knees, lifted his eyes, and dropped his, oh, Lord God, you know, and those are awesome prayers, but I'm like, I read through the passage, and it's like, there's no prayer. Yeah, there is. It's this all what we just said. He's... He's talking with God. He's sharing his heart with God. He's communicating with the God who is present with him. It's prayer. Don't you find it easier to talk to a friend? I do. Someone that knows you. And, and it's easier to talk with someone, have a discussion when they're right there with you face to face. I mean, texting gets a little bit, you know, get some stuff across, email, text, whatever. And, uh, you know, over the phone. But man, face to face, it's so much better, especially if it's something significant you're going to talk about, right? Because you can, there's eye contact that happens. There's facial expression. There's encouragement through body language and, and even just responses. Oh, yeah, tell me more. And man, it just gets rich like that. Well... That's what we have here with a God who's present. And again, you could say, well, you know what, John? I mean, I, I like what I read, but how does this apply to me? Because, you know, God, God spoke back to Abraham. It was this dialogue here, right? You know, that's the difference. I'm sure I'd pray more frequently and personally if God spoke back to me. Hmm. Let me ask you this. When you pray, do you ever take a significant amount of time to Listen so that um, God can talk back to you? (laughs) 
Because I believe and I see that and has been true for me in the past, although God's really worked on me with this. So often we, we kind of rush through our prayers, you know. We go, oh, man, whether we get on our knees or not. And we, oh, when we pray for this and the world and we pray for ourselves and others, whatever like this. And we ask for wisdom. God, I need some wisdom on this decision. Tell me what I should do. And, Lord, should I this and that? And, oh, Lord, we need this. And, oh, man, if you'd tell me this, that'd be great. In Jesus' name, amen. And I picture God over here going, oh, he's in relationship. Oh, yeah. John, you know, I know that's on your heart. Thanks for, let me, t- but if you, you, okay. Whenever you slow down enough to actually listen, we can talk. Does God speak to us today? You're nodding your heads. I want to tell you, he absolutely does. He absolutely does. And our brains are so busy and our lives are so busy and there's so much going on that so often we just don't hear. And it t- it's a process of tuning your ear to the Holy Spirit inside and, and, and God himself. I love, you know, Ron sharing his story this morning because we talked before the services about how, you know, God spoke to Kim at night, you know, that night. God, God spoke to her and gave her some words that, that lest Ron doubted it when he got in the car and turned it on. God just, it coincidentally happened to be the song that, Reinforced what God said in the nighttime, which coincidentally happened to be a song that was in the program this morning at church. Oh, maybe there is a God, right? And and exactly, it's right there. But I feel like we rush through the prayers. We go, and God's just waiting to speak to us. And, And in my prayer life, I've learned to do things like shut up. Oh, this feels like a waste of time. Boy, is it not. Talk to God. Add listening to your prayer life. If you have a formula, add listening to it. Add something to it because God wants to speak with us. He wants to speak with us. Do you need to approach God more personally? Understanding that he is right there with you waiting for that personal conversation. Do you need to take the time to pause and listen to him when you pray? Has that been missing from your prayer life? We're seeing Abraham do that. Oh, it was, maybe it was easier for him. God has that same opportunity for us in the many ways that he might want to speak to you, and he can do that in a number of ways. Well, thirdly, we talked about praying to value others. We talked about this uh, pray personally, but a call is number three, to pray boldly, to pray boldly. And, um, you know, Abraham doesn't just meekly listen to God. He boldly speaks his mind. I mean, he, he doesn't pause to think if his requests are totally in God's will. Let me see. You know, he just, he just goes for it. You know, God's going to have baby, and then he starts heading off, and God's talking. Am I going to tell him about this? Yeah, I'm going to tell him over here. And it's like, hey, God, wait up. You know, instead of just raining down fire on a city that's full of wickedness, what if, what if, what if there are 50 righteous people? You know, what then? And 45, 40, 30, 20, 10, you know, little stair steps that go down there. You know, now, God, you may want to zap the whole town, but I'm going to be bold here and pray to save the lives of others because I care for them. And I know you care for them, too. You know, when I stop from Abraham and look at us, I fear too often we pray um, meekly. You know what that word means? Let me translate it. We are often wimpy prayers. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. It just is. You know, I, I hear stuff. I've, I've, this is something I've tried to make some headway in my own life, and I hear it around. I don't judge anybody if I hear what sounds kind of wimpy. 
but for me, I don't want to be a wimpy prayer. And, and the prayers that come out sometimes kind of like, you know, God, if you have time and if it's in your will, if you'd possibly consider my request, but, you know, I don't want to, you know, but pretty please. You know, unless you're thinking something else, in which case feel free to just ignore me. And these sounds like these little apologies. And, you know, I think for me, what I've learned is, amen. <laughs> Abraham played bold, prayed boldly, and God wants us to pray boldly for others. You know? It's like, I, everything I pray, I want it to be in God's will. And I can speak, take 10 minutes to qualify it. Lord, I really want to be in your will. I really, 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 okay. Having said all that, now I'm going to go for it. Because I don't know his will in all things, but I can pray my heart. I can pray my concerns. I can pr- take things before the Lord and go for it. Hey, if he needs to straighten me out, I'm going to trust him. He's going to do that. But I want to express myself. So for me, for example, I, pr- I pray for healing in the name of Jesus. Flat out miracle healing. And I do it a lot. Presbyterian church background and everything. <laughs> you know, in other words, I'm not, you know, the whole charismatic thing, whatever else. I do it a lot, boldly, vocally, even if the diagnosis from the doctor says there's very little to virtually no hope and it's towards the end of life. You know, there's really no hope. Now, I do it because it's bold and why not? And wouldn't it, from my perspective, be a great thing if God chose to heal that person? That person bring God glory to himself? Now, I do that. I just do that. Uh, you know, because I think so often we rush to the Lord, you know, heal. Oh, that'd be great, Lord. But, and then we jump right to the provide comfort and rest. And we, we, which is, all those things are good too. But it's almost like we mention healing as a possibility. Let's get to the stuff that's probably going to happen. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Right? So go for it. Now, does God have to heal everybody I pray for? No. But he might. Right? But he might. And I know that I don't know the will of God, but I can still pray boldly. And the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 2, if you want to write it down, you do not have because you do not ask. Sometimes you, you didn't ask. I remember growing up, my parents in the service, a little embarrassing, just off the top of my head. I remember sometimes going to the store with brothers and sisters because I was a third of four, and we left the store and coming home, and I, you know, I, some flip-flops or something really significant like that, mom and dad. Um, but I, I didn't get any flip-flop that I thought that I needed or whatever. And I got home and I shared it with mom. You do not remember this, mom, I know. And I'm like, she's like, oh, I felt bad. I didn't get any. And she's like, well, how did I know that that was something you thought you needed or wanted? Oh. Okay. Now, God knows, but he wants to be engaged in the relationship, right? It's about the relationship. So go ahead and be bold and make it happen and do it. You don't have because you don't ask. Let's be bold and ask like Abraham. As long as it's not obviously outside of God's will, right? We're not talking about ridiculous things, but be bold. Is this a possible growth area for you? Yeah, my prayers kind of drift into the wimpy, wimpy area. So you're kind of making a little note that maybe your takeaway from this morning's right there. Okay, next, after pray boldly. We're encouraged and instructed to pray humbly, and it's modeled by Abraham, to pray humbly with humility. Now, we have to take note. We have to note this. In the midst of his boldness that we talked about with Abraham, he kind of charges ahead. He also prays very humbly with proper deference and respect of God. And that's important because even when we pray boldly, always remember that he is God and you ain't. Right? So let's just keep that perspective because he doesn't mind us being bold, but let's make sure that we have that perspective. And Abraham admits that he is, I, I like this in the verses we read, that he's mere dust and ashes compared to God. He, that's, that's what's here. But even the dust and ash is 
putting a request out there. He even begs God several times not to be angry with him for maybe appearing too presumptuous in what he asks, you know, but it's right there. And God doesn't cut him off. He hears Abraham out. His humility sets the tone for his boldness. It's there. And I think sometimes, again, when we're going back and forth from Abraham to us, I think sometimes that we, we kind of barge into God's presence. And, you know, as a follower of Jesus, you know, we're his little children. And he loves us. So he'll absolutely forgive us for barging into his presence. You know, it's not like he kicks us out of the family. But doesn't he deserve our humility and our honor and our respect? Doesn't he deserve that? Now, I read this passage, and Abraham, to me, almost sounds like he's trying to, like, butter God up a little bit, you know, if you look back through those words, but, you know, with the way, is he trying to manipulate God and kind of be kind of all, you know, use the right word, but since God knows our hearts, he also knows that Abraham isn't just playing him here, it's true humility, and God receives and embraces the humble heart, so that's what takes place, and I think for us in our search for God, um, when we look for God, the friend, and, and that's great. God is our friend. I think we sometimes forget to take the time to God, to honor God as we pray. You know, in the midst of God, that Jesus, you're my best friend. At the same time, there is some ooh and ah involved. And it takes time to do that. I shared in first service too, I've been to Africa now seven times with our partners there in Uganda with that rich relationship that God continues to lead in and bless and I'll tell you this, a couple times ago, I went there and I found myself getting a little judgmental towards them, even Pastor Robert, our, our partners and stuff that, that we love so much, because so often we'd sit down and pray and I'd feel like the first 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 80, 100 seconds were filled with, oh, most great and glorious almighty God, you know, you are so you know, full of majesty and you're full of mercy and your grace, and I'm kind of like, we all believe this. Let's get to the good stuff. I shared this was a few years ago until it dawned on me. You know, God kind of shook me a little bit and said, John, this is the good stuff. Because if I, if I can't acknowledge who God is and that he is full of mercy and grace and he is almighty and he is all loving and he is all those sorts of things. And if I can't stop for a second and just get figuratively or literally on my face, and thanks for kneeling, by the way, during worship, some of you. I can't get on my face and just be humble before him and say, I got maybe so much stuff to pray for, I may not have enough time for it. But if I rush into that without stopping for a second and saying, it's all about you, what am I doing? That's got to be my attitude. So I have a new appreciation towards some of our African brothers and sisters. And I went, I need to grow in this area. I'm trying to learn in that way. I, I don't want to waste time through repetitive things that don't mean anything. But if they're from my heart, I believe that we're pleasing the heart of God. Pray humbly. Maybe you can join me in that journey as well to learn. On number five, pray specifically. Pray specifically. That's modeled by Abraham. You see, there's no general prayer here. You know, it isn't Abraham going, Lord, just kind of bless the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham goes for this specific detailed ask, and what a great example that is. Now, why do I say that? I think sometimes, again, in our culture, we like to pray general prayers. And then it's no wonder that we don't have lots of amazing stories to tell people when they ask about our prayer lives. Because we're not praying for much very specifically. We don't pray specifically and boldly, so we never get to see God work with our prayers, right? I feel like if I don't pray specifically, because, you know, it's just easier to say, God bless the world, amen. And I can move on. It 
doesn't take much time. Or I sometimes don't pray specifically because if I ask for a specific healing or a specific, what might take a miracle, if it doesn't happen, then either God isn't who I think he is or maybe it shows I don't have very big faith. So, you know, I'm just going to keep it safe and just kind of, you know, God bless America. Now, there's nothing wrong with playing God bless America, but what does that look like to you? What might that look like to God? What might that look like in our state, in our city, in our community, in our schools, in our workplace? Again, can we engage specifically like that? I feel like we don't get to see God work with our prayers specifically because we sometimes don't get very specific with our prayers. It's okay to pray things like, you know, Lord, have your way in our city or help, help all the people in need that surround me, <laughs> right? Now, those are okay prayers, but they're pretty general. And that also means, listen, we don't take a lot of time and effort with them. Praying specifically for others means that, that I know what the specific needs of others actually are. If I'm going to pray them, I've got to know what they are. And, then, and that means I have to take the time and energy to find those things out. So yes, it takes effort and time, but it's what Abraham models in this passage, and it's valuable even if it's not convenient. And it's not convenient. Did you ever find that caring for other people is often not convenient? I think most of Jesus' life was lived in a non-convenient way, modeling that as well. Well, finally, Abraham models the fact that we need to pray persistently. Persistently. There's the only big word you had to write down today. Ever feel like you're going to bore God if you ask him for the same thing more than once, <laughs> you know? Or, or maybe you're displaying a lack of faith because you hit him up for the same thing multiple times. Here's the deal, and I've fallen into this in the past. You know, if I believe he hears me, shouldn't one time be enough? I mean, what, do I have to yell louder or something? That's just good, strong faith. Well, the problem is that's not what we see with Abraham, is it? Um, God, what about 50? Okay, cool. Mm, should I take a chance? What about 45. And then again, 40, and what about 30? And, you know, I hate to bother you, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> it's me again. <laughs> what about 20? What about 10? And I, that was a shortened version, right? Even as you're reading it, you're like, oh, my goodness, the ping pong game going on. God never gives, listen, in the midst of all that, this is amazing to me, because God's response, did you catch it? It's virtually word for word every single time. He keeps us hitting the ball back. God never gives Abraham the look. <laughs> you know, the look. That a parent gives their child when they keep asking too many of the same questions over and over and over. Now you know the look I'm talking about, the look. All right, that one. God doesn't do that, you know. It's the look that speaks volumes, you know, from a parent. If you ask that question one more time, your life as you know it may end. <laughs> right? That doesn't happen here, you know. Abraham's like, am I going to get the look? You know, but I'm going to go for it here. And he keeps going, God's, okay, 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 okay. God appreciates persistence, and it pays off for Abraham. This is what I need to work on. Uh, true confessions for me, you know, or just to, to, be, to be, you know, real before you. Because the question is, do you care enough to pray persistently again and again, not to bore God, but to, but to impress on him how much it means to you? Because you know when something's really tearing at your soul, when you have a personal crisis, that's all you can do is pray, huh? And it's no problem bringing it up again and again and again. Praying for others, though, doesn't seem quite so urgent. For you, what about for that other? Right? You want to impress on him how much it means to you. And so, again, this is something I'm working on. And I don't know. I, 
I pray once or twice, and then I often move on. Maybe it's, honestly, I'm like, ouch, but maybe it's because I don't want to be bored myself. You know, I kind of prayed that a couple times. What's the prayer of the day? Let's move on. It's kind of sad, isn't it? I can be up here and tell you that, though. That happens for me. So God's saying, all right, John, let's take a step. Well, I'm going to give you two chances to respond today. Two chances to respond. One's right there on your outline. First of all, I I gave you a little line there on your outline that you can fill in. Because lest we walk out here feeling guilty, remember, we didn't want to do that. Or even like, oh, that was interesting. But so what? So you may say, I need to do all this stuff. And the problem is, how do you do six things at once? Right? I I have a tough, tough time with that. Right? So maybe it's just the one. And it might start right at the beginning. I just need to pray that I would deeply value others. Or, you know, when I was talking about being bold or I was talking about the, the humility, part, you know, whatever that it was, and maybe two or three or four stuck out. But I'd say pick one and say, Lord, this week, build that in me because you aren't going to do it on your own. It's not a self-help thing that I'm going to try hard. It needs to be Holy Spirit, man, build this into me. Help me pay attention to this. Transform me in my relationship with you that shows in my prayers. So what is that one thing? So you can write that down and you can hide it from your you know, neighbor, spouse, someone sitting next to you or whatever. But, you know, again, these are, we're all dealing with the same things that are here. Take a moment to do that, writing it down, and uh, that's something God wants to build. Second, though, I want to give you a chance to take a, a growth step in your prayer life by checking out um, one of our prayer teams here at Twin Cities Church. This is kind of an end-of-the-week thing Ron and I chatted about. You say, let's make that available. We have multiple prayer teams. We have teams of people that pray for your prayer requests on your card. It goes to the pastors. It goes to the staff here. But if it was only the 30 or 40 of us, I mean, that'd be good. But it goes to, I don't know how many are on the, that prayer circle teams and stuff. It goes to them. Maybe God says, you may not have thought of yourself as like a prayer warrior, but maybe the call is you're going to get better by doing it. And you can pray for others by joining that prayer team. We have people that pray for people after the services. We have people that pray for what happens during the service, during the services, all kinds of things. So don't worry about which one might be a fit for you. If you take your connection card right now, you can put it on the back and just write prayer team somewhere. I've alerted the office. Don't worry. I said somewhere between one and 101 (laughs) cards will come in saying prayer team, and then we'll follow that up, and the appropriate people will contact you and let you know what's available to see if maybe God's going to call you into actually practicing some prayer for others in a new way. won't necessarily take a bunch of time, but it might not be convenient. But I'd love for you to say, hey, maybe, I, maybe, Lord, that's something else you want to do. So hopefully you wrote something on your line, and maybe you're praying about writing on the back of your prayer card as well. And we're going to take that moment to actually pray. And Father, I don't know, even right now, unlike first service, I feel led to pray for others. Lord, because in my prayer, I feel like I want to recap the main points and ask for Holy Spirit for you to lead us. I want to right now pray for others. I want to pray for these people that are sitting in this room today. I know there are some huge needs. I know there are some hurts. Um, There are some people right now, Lord, I just feel that there's some people that can't even barely think about praying for someone else because their own needs are so overwhelming. And so, God, I pray that that touch would happen right now that your Holy Spirit would minister in a, in, a, in a miraculous way as needed to give hope and to give peace and to give life to that person and those people even here today. And Father, I, I also would pray that you would raise up prayer. Yes, maybe they're baby prayer warriors, but they're new prayer warriors that are even around these people right now today that would join in this process of praying for and lifting up the needs of others, including the people here today that have those needs. Lord, we just want to enter in this relationship with you, not worrying about doing it right or wrong, but expressing our hearts in relationship with you. Lord, thanks for the privilege that we have to be able to speak to you and that you actually listen and respond.
In Jesus' name, amen.